Welcome to my homestead, y'all. I'm your host, Jenny Veliki, also known as the Funky Farm Girl. I'm working to create a home with a little farm, a little faith, a lot of food, and a bit of funky. I'm learning all about growing and preserving our food supply, raising chickens and children, and becoming more self-sufficient while leaning hard on Jesus. And I want to take you along for the ride. So grab yourself a cup of something wonderful, and let's visit a while. Hey y'all, you're listening to Jenny Veliki at The Funky Farm Girl, and this is episode 19, The Fallen Winter Garden. Before we get started, let's talk about what I'm learning this week. And this week I want to talk about not something that I'm learning currently, but something I'm excited about because it's an opportunity to learn that's coming up very soon. First of all, I wanted to tell you about plant stock. Plant stock is going to be happening August 14th through 16th online. It's it's hosted by the Esselstyn Family Farm um, and Dr. Caldwell Esselton and Dr. T. Colin Campbell from the Forks and Knives, uh, Forks Over Knives film are going to be hosting this event with the Esselstyn family. Um, And they're going to Um, put on an online conference that's really going to help us um, as homesteaders as we um, discuss more about food and nutrition and why we garden the way we do and all those things. So I really encourage you to check out Plant Stock and register for that event August 14th through the 16th online. So I will put a link to that in the show notes. I also want to let you know that the Homesteaders of America conference that is normally held in Virginia has also decided recently that they are also going to do a virtual conference this year. This conference will be October 9th and 10th, and there are going to be speakers like Joel Salatin, Justin Rhodes, and Rory Feek along with a lot of other people. There's probably 12 or 15 different speakers on a lot of different topics. So um, I'm going to link that in the show notes as well. Um, And this is just going to be a really great opportunity between the Plant Stock and the Homesteaders of America conferences to learn a lot more as homesteaders about growing food, um, growing the meat and the livestock that we that we eat and that we use for dairy and other things um, just expanding our knowledge of the homesteading lifestyle so I really encourage you to register for both of those and to go check those out and again I will link both of those in the show notes so let's get into this week's topic which is the fall and winter garden Last week, um, we talked about stocking up for the fall and winter. And one of the ways that we can begin to stock up and prepare is to plant a fall and winter garden. So first of all, let's ask ourselves why. Why are we doing this? Um, I don't do anything without asking why. So 
Um, let's start there. Why have a fall and winter garden? A lot of people uh, will plant in the spring and the anticipation builds and then the summer garden comes in and it's like boom you're hit with all this produce and all this stuff to preserve and put away and eat and it just seems like a mad rush through the month of July and then all of a sudden the dust settles and you can breathe and some people want to be done at that point and they're like okay I'm done I've had enough until next spring but others of us really want to continue and start again and do a fall garden and for those of you who have wondered why do they do that let's talk a little bit about what motivates me in particular to plant a fall and winter garden first of all I want to extend my growing season the more time I have things in the ground the more stuff I'm producing the more food I'm growing the more productive my homestead is and the lower my grocery bill is as a result now how much fall and winter gardening will extend your season really depends on the zone you are in I'm in zone 7b in North Carolina and it really adds a good 80 to 100 days um, to my growing season and really the predicted for my area uh, the predicted frost is right around the end of October first frost but really a lot of things will continue to do well and we won't get a really really hard cold freeze usually until December or January um, so some things even if if they can't tolerate even if they can tolerate that first light frost they can keep growing until you hit that first really hard freeze so it really extends my growing season by quite a lot to do a fall and winter garden another great pos positive of having a fall and winter garden is fewer pests uh, i did not plant any squash or zucchini in the spring mainly because i ran out of room i didn't think that i would run out of room because i've I'm growing the biggest garden I've ever grown it's 50 feet long and 10 feet wide and it seemed humongous to me at the beginning of the season and now I'm realizing that it's really just a small patch compared to um, lots of other farms and and even to the rest of my yard and so I quickly ran out of room with all the different things that I had wanted to plant and did not have room for squash and zucchini in the spring but I'm calling that a happy accident because I'm discovering that um, through learning and listening from other gardeners right now in July and into the August um, in my zone is the time for squash bugs and vine borers and powdery mildew and all the things that make it miserable to grow squash and zucchini this is when all of the people who are growing those things begin to bemoan all the pests and disease that take out their crop at this time of year growing them in the fall and the winter um, by beginning them now you still have enough time in my zone at least to grow another crop of those things and by then the escalation of all those pests will be gone 
um, the issues of powdery mildew and things and lack of water because of the heat and all those kinds of things will be much less and much easier to deal with. Um, and it just gives you a higher chance of success, particularly with things like squash and zucchini. And the other thing that makes it great to do a fall and winter garden is that you can give back to your soil through crop rotation. Maybe you plant something that really depletes the soil of nitrogen in the spring. And so then in the fall, in that same place, you can plant something that adds nitrogen back to the soil. Um, really being aware of, of how what you plant affects your soil and rotating the things that you plant in that area to um, replace what was taken by the last thing that was in the ground there so now that you know why now you need to do your own research what zone are you in how many days do you have until first frost and once you know those two things then you can determine what you can grow um, I, I know that a couple weeks ago when I did this um, I was at 88 days until my first frost which meant basically anything that was 90 days and under was pretty much surefire and anything that pushed like a hundred days like my pumpkins was a little bit of a gamble but it was a risk I was willing to take so now let's get into some options what are some things that you can plant in a fall or a winter garden First of all, if you have enough time, depending on the days to maturity for the things that you want to plant, what you need to do is look and see how many days until your first frost, figure that out, and then look on the back of the seed packet for the seeds that you have, or look up for the plant, how many days to maturity for this type of tomato, how many days to maturity for this type of, of pumpkin. And once you have those days, then you can figure out how long you have to grow that. Will it have enough time to reach maturity and be um, harvested before you hit that frost date? So, look at things like your tomatoes. Can you do another round of tomatoes? A lot of people will even take the um, cuttings off of their current tomatoes um, and start new ones. And put those in the ground and have a second round of tomatoes from those um, you can also plant squash and this would include pumpkins um, there's you can plant summer type squash or you can plant winter type squash and I want to make a distinction here where summer squash does not mean it's only squash that can only be grown in the summer and winter squash can only be grown in the winter you can grow winter squash in the summer you can grow summer squash in the fall and winter months. It really is more a determination of summer squash are things that need to be eaten right away or preserved in some way by canning or freezing or something like that. Winter squash are things that can be hardened off and then kept in a cool dry place like a root cellar over the entire cold winter. And they won't go bad and so th those would be things like your butternut squash and um, your spaghetti squash your pumpkins and things like that 
Um, they tend to have a much tougher rind on the outside. Um, and so that's the determination between whether or not it is a summer or winter squash. It doesn't have anything to do with when you grow it. It has to do with when you would eat it. Um, you can also do another round of cucumbers. That's a possibility for me, but it's one I chose not to take. I'm content with the number of cucumbers that we had this year. And I have oodles and oodles of tomatoes that haven't even begun to ripen yet. So I have decided not to grow more of those. Um, you can also do broccoli or cauliflower or cabbage. Um, those are known as brassicas. Um, and those do well in the cooler months they don't tend to do very well in hot times so they're really good springtime crops so they would also be a really good fall crop um, also leafy greens like spinach lettuce kale collards mustard greens turnip greens any of those um, are great to grow in the fall um, and they also tend again to be good spring crops um, I'm going to do a repeat of the beans and peas that I did in the spring. I'm going, I've planted snow peas and sugar snap peas, mixed beans um, that are green, yellow, and purple, um, and also purple whole peas. And then there are the root vegetables. I will wait a little longer before I start my root vegetables because they um, can go past the frost date. They tend to be more frost tolerant than the things that are growing up above the ground. So um, they can, they don't have to be planted quite as quickly as the rest of your stuff does. But these would be things like turnips, beets, onion. You can plant garlic now and let it grow through the winter and harvest it in the spring. You can plant radish, carrots, and kohlrabi as well. And then, thinking a little bit more outside the box, you can grow herbs indoors, and you can also begin seedlings for fruit trees indoors, and then move them outside in the spring. Those herbs you can continue growing through the winter in the house, harvest a little bit, keep it growing, and then put it outside in the spring um, once it's past the time of frost. Um, one thing that's really helpful in planning out um, the days to maturity and when your first frost date is and your last frost date is and figuring out when the okay if, if my frost date is here when's the last day I can plant pumpkins um, if I plant my cucumbers here when will I expect to harvest those um, and that would be Clyde's Garden Planner. Clyde's Garden Planner has been unbelievably helpful in helping me do my fall garden. I really wish I had had it when I started the spring garden because I really didn't know how long it would take things to germinate and sprout and produce something. And so I was kind of surprised that some things took off and were producing right away and other things seemed to sit there for a really long time before they ever did anything um, but now that I have that planner it really makes it a lot more clear to me what's what and what to expect as far as harvest times and germination and 
and producing and things like that. So I really recommend Clyde's Garden Planner. I get that from Baker's Creek Seeds and I will put a link to it in the show notes. So let's talk about different seed companies that you can go with. First of all, um, I, I have decided that I want to as much as possible whenever the option is available for me I want to choose heirloom seeds I want to choose heirloom crops for my garden and I want them to be from seed if at all possible so why am I looking to heirloom seeds why am I favoring those first of all I like the fact that they are open pollinated they are naturally pollinated and they are not um something that has been messed with um, as far as crossing um, different types with other types Um, so it's a it's a pure um, a pure type of tomato or a pure type of cucumber Um, that it's not um, a hybrid that's been cross-pollinated and made to be something else and because of that um, it produces seeds that are true to type so you can take the seeds from the cucumber that you plant in the ground and you can put those seeds in the ground and grow the same kind of cucumber that you planted that you harvested the seeds from Um, when you have hybrid crops and things that have been cross-pollinated um, that's not possible you will plant those seeds in the ground and get something completely different uh, you'll get a cross of something else um, and so I really like that they are open pollinated and not hybrids I also like that they are not GMOs I like that they are not gem- genetically modified in any way they are true to the form in the way that God made them and um, that to me is really important and I want that to be the way I grow my own garden and so those are the types of seeds that I look for Um, and on top of that I like the fact that they are 50 years or older in order to be an heirloom seed it needs to be a seed um, from a from a type of plant that has grown down from generation to generation seed um, to seed to seed to seed all the way back where you can date it back at least 50 years or more Um, I love that I can grow French breakfast radishes alongside of Italian peppers and a Kajari melon from India next to a cucumber from Boston you know it's it's amazing to me all the different places around the world and the unusual produce that comes from those places and how it's been grown that way for generations and it also will give you variety that you just don't get anywhere else um I have never even seen a Kajari melon in person until I began to grow them this year. I didn't even know about them until last year when I saw them in a gardening group I was in. Same thing with cuca melons. I would really love to grow cuca melons next year because nobody else will have them. 
Um, it's, it's just an unusual thing to grow. Um, and I love to experience new foods and to experience foods that are new to me but have been around for years and years and years and years um, and can be traced back generations through their seed lines. Um, I also really think that heirloom tastes better. I really think that um, when you take a, a tomato that produces lots of meat and a tomato that resists pests and you cross-pollinate them to create a tomato that produces lots of meat that also resists pests you lose some of the flavor in doing that and I really like the variety and the flavor of all the different things that you can get from heirloom I love saving the seeds to use for the next year um, one it it's just really cool um, when I planted my white pumpkins this year I all the seeds that I planted for those white pumpkins were from the one white pumpkin that I grew last year and saved the seeds from and so to me it completes the circle it started from a seed and now it's multiplied to become several more seeds to produce several more plants and several more fruit um, but also I just like the economic standpoint of I didn't have to buy those seeds this year. I won't have to buy them next year because I have plenty of white pumpkin seeds um, just from growing and saving them from the fruit that I got from the vine. And also I love the stories. I love to hear about where the different um, heirloom varieties come from, how they were discovered, or how they've been passed down and um, how they've been protected over the years and who has been caring for that line or whatever. Um, I love the history of things and so um, I think heirloom seeds give me a piece of that in a way that just is really satisfying. So what are some heirloom seed companies that I would choose to do business with? Um, there are really a lot of good ones out there. If you just Google heirloom seed companies, you're going to come up with several right off the bat. But I wanted to give you um, just a top five from my experience. Um, number one is Baker's Creek. I buy most of my seeds from Baker's Creek. Um, their website is rareseeds.com. I will link all of these in the show notes. Um, but the first one would definitely be Baker's Creek. They have a large variety. They have free shipping. They give you a free seed packet with every order. Um, and they have just been phenomenal to work with. I've never had a bad experience with Baker's Creek. Um, another one is M.I. Gardner or Michigan Gardner or My Gardner. I don't exactly know how you say it. But I will put a link to it in the show notes as well. Um they have been great they are very inexpensive um they are cheaper than beggars creek but they also charge a little bit for shipping so i think it washes out um in the end but um they have a great variety too um i love their packaging um for their seeds they're really pretty um packages for most of their seeds and um so that's a good one to work with um, and then three that I don't have personal experience from, but when I search and do my own research, come up again and again and again as others, as the favorites of others. 
and that would be Johnny's Seeds, Seed Saver Exchange, and Annie's Heirloom Seeds. And I will, again, link to all of those in the show notes. So, this week, I challenge you. Look up your zone. Figure out how many days you have till the last, uh, till the first frost day in your area. And then figure out what you could plant and grow between now and then. And then hop on over to Instagram and let me know what you decided to grow. I'll see you next week. Thanks for stopping by, y'all. If you're inspired by what you've heard today, the best compliment you can give me is to share the Funky Farm Girl with your friends. You can stay connected by following the Funky Farm Girl on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Until we meet again next week, remember to bloom where you're planted. (laughs) 